0: This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time, from RelicRadio.com.
2: The battle of man against the elements, of man against man. Thirty minutes of flight into the world of action and danger, where every minute is a call to adventure. These are the moments when a life hangs on the twist of a chance. The moments of escape.
1: We escaped to the wildest mountains of Idaho... and the story of love and murder in the midst of a raging forest fire. As Anthony Ellis tells it in... The Red Forest. It had taken me five years, three months and four days. It had carried me across 21 states... And then in the Clearwater country of Idaho, I'd found it. That was in the afternoon. The trail had led from a lumber town along a washboard road and into the forests. I'm no woodsman, but in the daylight, I found the place. And then I started back to the car. But something was different. Maybe the late sun, red through the trees, maybe tall shadows. There wasn't a trail anymore, only streams where there hadn't been before. Trees that were the same, but weren't. And sounds. Sounds that were fun when you were a kid on a hike, but now scared you. I used my last cigarette three or four hours before, and it was then that I... that I started to run. Run. And the fear grows until you want to scream and want the ground to open up for you, warm and safe. But it didn't. And now, there was only the dry whirring of a rattlesnake coiled, inches away from me. No! I lived then, maybe because the snake was more afraid of something else than me. It didn't strike, just slithered away and became the pattern of the leaves. It was nearly dark when I found the road. I'd come to it about a half a mile below where I'd parked the car. half hour later on the outskirts of a little town, my headlights picked up a girl standing on the side of the road. She carried a cheap paper suitcase and she was thumbing a ride. I stopped.
3: Can I get a ride, mister?
1: Why, sure. Ah, here. I'll put your case in the back. There we go.
3: Gee, I'm lucky. Not many cars on the road tonight. Uh
1: Uh-huh. Been walking long?
3: Uh Uh-huh. I'm on my way to Missoula. My last ride dropped me a mile or so back. Yeah? You live around here?
1: No. No.
3: I I don't guess you'd be going as far as Missoula. Well, sure. Gee, that's swell. (laughs) I got a job there starting tomorrow. Kind of broke, if you know what I mean. Buses cost money.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean.
3: Mind if I smoke? No,
1: no, no, of course not. Go right ahead.
3: Hey, your face. What?
1: You,
3: you've you been hurt. You're all scratched up.
1: Oh, well, uh, I, I was hunting. I got lost just the other side of town. Uh, if you want to take a nap, it's okay. We've got about a hundred miles to go.
3: Guess I look pooped, huh? Yeah. I'm not kidding. I am. Say you're all right, mister. I'll take you up on it. Some guys, the minute you get in, want more than the bus fare. I can see you're not that kind.
1: You'll be safe. I'll wake you when we're at the city limits.
3: Thanks. Thanks a lot. Oh. (laughs) Gee, it's nice out here. Kind of lonely. Smells good. I wonder what that is, over there. What? The sky, bright like, see?
4: I don't. Know.
3: Gee. Could almost be Seattle from a long way off. I had a boyfriend. He used to take me driving at night. When we came back, you could see a glow. Just like
5: that. Oh.
1: I saw that glow in the sky. It was on our right. And as the road twisted through the trees, it fell behind us then to our left and circled into the straight ahead. The girl had fallen asleep very quickly. I saw her face in the light from the dash. Thin, pretty, peaceful. And it was about 15 minutes after I'd picked her up that I saw the lights on the road. And then closer, the figures waving.
3: Hey, they're all ready? I, I just got to sleep. No,
1: there's something wrong. There's a... Cop coming this way. Uh, what's the trouble? Plenty. We want you, mister. Want me? Yeah. Forest fire. Bad one. We've got to have every man we can find. Uh, someone else in the car with you? Uh, yes, a girl. Good. She can help. Uh, look, I, I'd like to. Very Here's much... Here's the forest ranger. He'll explain. Well, I'm awfully sorry, but you see, I'm on my way to Missoula. And... Not tonight.
4: I got authority to do this, mister. I'm sorry. But we need you. Well, I. Now you I... couldn't get much further anyway. The road's cut off. Mountain's going up like a torch. If it's spread, there's three towns going too. Come on, I got some clothes and boots for you.
3: Hey, what about me? I got to get to Missoula. I got a job in the morning.
4: Sorry, sister. You got a job serving coffee here.
3: You cop.
4: Five dollars a day. A day? Or longer. It depends. Come on, let's go
1: was nothing else to do, so I got into the clothes the ranger gave me, then stood around and waited. I wasn't tired anymore, just scared, scared of going into that forest again. The wind came up a bit, and with it, the smell, smell of burning, smell of death. A long way off, but closer than the glow had been, we could see flickering against the sky, and it was in a lot of places. Suddenly, it was too warm and too quiet.
4: All right, you guys. The telephones burnt out. I made contact with a short wave set. Hey, you, Esther. What? What's your name? Uh, Pendell. Pendell? Yeah. You ever use one of these? Walkie-talkie? Oh, sure, I was in the signal corps. Okay, then you'll carry it. Now, listen. This is bad. Real bad. The fire's got behind us. We can't get any more men through for several hours they got to come around from the other side, and that's 30 miles. What's the use, then? Let's get out. Hey, Crowbar. Yeah? I'm putting you in charge. You know what to do. Get in as close as you can to the river and set a backfire. Sure. i got to stick here with the transmitter. You take the walkie-talkie, and I'll let you know what's happening. Sure. You stay here with the pretty girl. We go and get fried. Shut up, Bat. Hey, Hanson, you'll have to go with them. Three's not enough. Sure. Well, the cops going to do some work for a change. You better take along some food and a thermos. Come on. Step on it.
3: A couple of sandwiches I made up. Here. Thank you. This sure is something, isn't it? Yeah. You scared?
1: Scared? Why?
3: Your face is white. You scared?
1: I'm from the city.
3: I know what you mean. Those trees give me the willies, too. Dark.
1: Sure. That's it.
3: You'll be all right.
1: Listen, kid. If, uh anything happens. You take my car. Here are the keys.
3: What do you mean?
1: If I don't come back, keep the car.
3: You kidding? You're coming back.
1: Yeah, sure. So long.
3: Hey, my name's Jan. What's yours? Wally. You be careful, Wally.
1: We went into the forest. Men with spades. Men against fire and terror. There was the man they called Fat, 300 pounds of ungainly body, topped by a tiny and almost disgustingly childlike face. There was Crowbar, a big, dark man, quiet and filled with a knowledge of the woods. Hanson, the state trooper, thin and wiry, his natty khaki shirt stained with sweat and dirt. And me. We'd gone about a mile when we first heard it. It came in gusts with the wind high above us.
4: Wait a minute. Holy... Shut up. Let's get out of here. About uh, three miles away, I, I figure, coming fast. We're about that far from the river, aren't we? Yeah. Listen, you guys, if it's crossed the river, we're sunk. Let's get out. Hey, Wally. Yeah? Get the ranger. Tell him it's coming this way pretty fast. All right. Look, look, sparks up there, see? Sure, Pat, sparks,
5: fire. You Hello. Chicken? Oh, Leo. Hello. Hello.
1: Pendell calling Roe. Pendell calling Roe. Over.
5: Roe. This is Roe. Over.
1: We're still about three miles from the river. We can hear it. Over.
5: You can't set a backfire
4: now. Wind's changed. You better come back. Over.
1: Right. Well, he says go back.
4: That's okay with me, boy. Come on. Gee, listen to
5: that.
1: I wanted to run again, that same feeling I'd known before, the fear all around us closing in and down. There was no sky above, only blackness tinged with red, pressing. And behind, the living forest running, overtaking and passing us. When we reached the road again, the sound was steady. I had a strange feeling of relief when I saw the forest ranger and the girl, Jan. It was like coming home. I think it was then that I stopped being afraid.
4: Come on, Roe, we can't do no good now. Yeah, you're not kidding. We've got to try and join up with the others. What do you mean? Well, the fire's on three sides of us. That means we head southeast. Well, can't we take the road back? Nope. 200 men trying to keep a path open for us. We've got to make five miles in a hurry. Bad as that. Yeah, worse. If we don't get there in time and they can't make a fire break, we're going to be smack in the middle and there's not going to be any way out. <laughs>
2: Our country faces a critical problem, excessive hoarding and purchasing by thoughtless people. Panic buying is senseless buying. It helps no one and creates situations which are as dangerous as they are unnecessary. The American Grocery Manufacturers Association reports that we have a surplus of 450 million bushels of grain. Stocks of lard are 189 million pounds above what we had last year. Production of vegetable oils is above the average of the last 10 years. Quantities of fresh and canned vegetables are 10% above normal. Supplies of sugar are 950,000 tons above last year's figure. There's a surplus of eggs growing at the rate of 15 million dozen every month. The only shortages are temporary local shortages, so don't help to create them. The good citizen is the thoughtful consumer. Buy what you need, don't deny yourself the things to which you're accustomed, but don't take somebody else's share. You'll buy what you need, if you need what you buy. The size of your shopping bag is the test of your allegiance to your country. Now we return you to... Escape.
1: We didn't carry anything but canteens. It was hot, and because it was hot, it made you thirsty even when you didn't need water. The going was rough, and we could only head in what we thought was the general direction of safety. It was at the ridge that we lost the first man.
4: (coughs) The wind's changing again, Cobar. Uh, Which way? I can't tell. It's haywire with this
1: fire. Do we go straight ahead. Might as well.
4: Wait a minute. See that ridge? (coughs) Yeah. Why don't I get up there? Shouldn't take more than ten minutes and I'll be able to get a better look. Give me the flash and I'll signal to you.
1: I don't know. We haven't got much of a start. Mars behind us and a lot faster. No, it's better than walking toward
4: it. Remember, it's on three sides. Okay. You make it fast, cobar Sure. Good luck. Thanks. What do we do? Just sit and wait? Yeah, that's right. Listen, you're the ranger. Why don't you go? What would you send crowbar for? He's fought fires before, and he knows. He's a better man to climb up there. He's faster than me. (coughs) Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. (coughs) Hey, kid.
1: Kid, are you okay?
3: Sure, Wally. Just fine. Guess I'm not used to walking, though. These high heels don't help.
1: Yeah. Take it easy, huh?
3: My feet feel like they did once at a dance I went to. Some big lunk climbed all over me.
1: Guess you won't have a job in Missoula, huh?
3: If I get out of this, that's all I care about. It's tough. I'm scared. Give me a hand, will you?
1: She held onto my hand tight. It wasn't the darkness that frightened her. Now, there wasn't darkness anymore, but a yellowish-red light that came from everywhere. It was another kind of fear, fear of something you... You could see, hear, and with every minute feel more and more. I we waited there 10 minutes, 11, 12. And then.
4: You hear something? Yeah. It seemed to
1: come from over there.
4: From the ridge, maybe? Maybe. Listen, you, you think something got crowbar? A lion or something? I'll go up. No, Pendel.
1: What do you mean, no?
4: No time. We waited too long now. Oh, but he may be hurt. Yeah, I know that. It'll <laughs> take you longer than it took Crowbar to get there. Now, come on. Uh,
1: you couldn't find him in the dark? Who says he's hurt anyway? We'll move on and he'll catch up. I say we go after him.
4: <laughs> Not me. I'll put it to a boat, but hurry up now. Answer.
1: We go on. All right, Pat. <laughs> Let's get out of here.
4: And I say go on, that
1: leaves you
3: missing. I'm staying with Wally.
1: All right. I'll go with you. We never saw Crowbar again. Maybe a lion got him. Maybe he got lost. We never saw him again. The ranger went ahead, finding trails somehow, keeping us moving. We began to climb, and after a while, we were on another ridge. For the first time, we could see the fire. It stretched out for miles like a huge red sea. It was all around us.
5: Oh, gee, Wally.
1: Yeah, I know, (laughs) kid. I know.
3: Will it hurt much? I don't know. All right,
1: take a breather. I'm going to try the walkie-talkie again.
3: He's not scared, is he? I guess not. Is that because he's a ranger? Or because he's very brave?
1: You're a funny girl.
3: No, I'm not. Hey, give me a kiss, will you?
5: Sure.
1: Why did you want me to do that?
3: I don't know. You're a nice fella. i miss you.
1: Listen, Jana, I want to tell you something. What? <laughs> if we get out, maybe... Yeah? Look, I, I, I'm all right. I mean we could have fun together i know i uh i did something wrong once i i killed a man why he framed me got me pulled away for something i didn't do we were driving in the east and ran over a woman he was at the wheel but he took a powder and left me
3: but you didn't do it
1: that's what i say but i'd been drinking and went to sleep when I woke up, I was behind the wheel. He put me there. That's how the cops found me. I got five years. Oh. I was married. My wife killed herself. Ashamed, I guess. I lost my job and my friends. I swore I'd get my <laughs> pal, and I did. He was a louse. He knew I was after him and ran, but I caught <coughs> caught up with him. I don't care. Don't you? I I don't know why I told you that. Maybe because if we do get out...
3: Sure. I know. I know. It's okay.
1: Come on, Pendel. The ranger's moving off. It was the state trooper, Hanson. I wondered how much he'd heard, but there wasn't any time to worry then. Roe thought he'd seen a break in the fire and we headed for it. When we got down in the trees again, I began to get a feeling that... I'd been there before. It was nothing I could recognize, just a feeling. And then a couple of hundred yards along, long, I knew why.
4: Hey, hold up. There's a shack.
1: (coughs) Looks like someone's living there. (laughs) Better have a look. Door's open.
5: Hey.
3: It's a man. All right, give me a hand. Sure.
4: (coughs) Hey, he's being shot. Yeah. A few hours ago, from the looks of it. <laughs> you think the man who did this might have started it? What do you mean? The fire. It started a few miles north of here. We figured somebody got careless with a match. And maybe the killer running away. <clears throat> I'd like to get the fella that did that. Maybe I will. Yeah, me too. Well, we can't do anything here. Come on.
1: From there on, nobody talked. It was hard enough to lift your feet. Jan was nearly through, and I half carried him. If Roe knew where he was leading us, he didn't say. We followed and knew that sooner or later we'd stop because we were too tired to go on. That was the first.
5: Listen, fellas. Wait
4: wait a minute. Oh, you've got to go on. There's still a chance. No, but rest... Just just for a
5: minute. No. Get up. Please, please, one minute. That's all. (laughs) Get up! No, I can't. I can't.
4: Okay. You stay.
5: No, no. Come on. But I tell you, I can't. I'm sorry. You catch up to us and stay on the
1: door. No, no. All right, come on, Jane.
5: We're gonna leave him.
1: No, we have to. No,
5: please don't leave me. I'm coming. Please Mr. the Can we help him? Oh. We're
1: almost dead ourselves. I don't know whether it was because none of us liked him or because we knew that we couldn't do anything. It's funny how you can lose a man and know he's going to die and put him right out of your mind. Perhaps we wanted to live so badly we figured the fire would take time out from us to attend to him. Hanson was next. (laughs) I'm I'm finished.
4: (laughs) No, you're not. Just a bit more to go. We can still get through. No. No, you go ahead. Save the girl.
1: I'm sorry. Go on. Maybe I can catch up. I got to rest. You. Wally. Uh... Do me a favor. <laughs> what? I lost my gun somewhere. You know what I mean? It'll be quicker that way. You got one? Yeah. Here. Thanks. One bullet fired, huh? That's all I wanted to know. Okay, Pendell. I've had enough rest. I can keep up with you now. Feel a little safer with this army. Go ahead. So he knew. I didn't care now. I was too tired to care. If he wanted to play cop, that was his business. Sure, the man in the shack was Lenny Gillen. Sure, I'd kill him. It was my match on that last cigarette when I was lost that must have started this fire, but it wasn't important anymore. Right now, I wanted to get Jan out of it. Get myself out. What was that? It's behind us. It sounded like Hanson.
5: All right. Come on.
1: Watch the ravine. Oh, he must have fallen.
5: we can help him. No time. Got you.
1: We didn't help Fat. Why him?
5: I don't know. Please.
1: All right. Stay here.
5: Hanson! Over here! Keep calling, Here! Over this way! This way! Over here!
1: Okay! My, my leg! Can, can you get up? Oh! My leg! Broken, I guess! Yeah. You know about me, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Girl knows too. I heard you telling her. She won't say anything. No. No, I guess not. Gillen had it coming to him. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'm a cop. Yeah. It's getting hot. Put your arm over my sh- shoulder. You can't get me up there. Well, I can try now. Come on. Come on. Hey. Oh. Uh. Uh. Oh. Oh. Uh, uh. 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 nice. No good. We can't fake. it. I'll get the ranger and come back. No, no time. Go on. No, I. Get out of here. No, I can't. Go on! I've got your gun. Nobody will ever know. You. You can get away with murder. Hanson? I'm sorry. Go on, get out of here! Somehow I made it up the trail again. I thought I heard a shot him. Maybe it was a burning tree going down. Jan was waiting for me and we went on until the trees began to thin out and we heard the shots of men. I didn't remember anything else because I passed out for a long time. When I woke up, Jan was sitting by my bed. And it was cool again. Hi. Oh. Oh, hi, Jan. Did they get Hanson
5: out? No.
1: Jan. Hmm? Listen to me about what I told you back there. You know, the man I killed. Yeah. I'm I'm not sorry. I, I mean, it was all right about him, but not Hanson Crowbar. In fact, that was my fault, you know that.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, I want you to call a cop. uh uh-uh. Listen, kid, I've been dreaming about it. It's no good. Now, be a good kid and call a cop, will you?
3: I don't have to. There's one outside, now. What do you mean? When you passed out, I guess you were delirious or something. You told them.
1: I
5: told them. Oh, that's good. That's good. Oh, I'm glad.
3: You want me to hang around? Well,
1: I. That's up to. Up to you, I guess.
3: I guess it is. I'll hang around.
2: Each year, thousands of Southern Californians contribute to the pension and sick and injured funds of the Sheriff's Relief Association. You can do your share for this deserving organization by attending the Sheriff's Annual Rodeo in the Los Angeles Coliseum on August 27th. Cowboy star Roy Rogers and Trigger will head the great array of talent on this thrill-packed show. June Haver has been selected as Rodeo Queen, and Joel McRae will act as Grand Marshal. There'll be exhibitions of roping and riding by champions from all over the country, and a thousand other exciting events at the Sheriff's Annual Rodeo, the greatest spectacle of its kind in the world. It's at the Los Angeles Coliseum, 2.30, Sunday afternoon, August 27th. It's a treat the whole family will enjoy. And don't forget the date, Sunday, August 27th. Escape is produced and directed by William N. Robeson. And tonight has presented The Red Forest by Anthony Ellis. Featured in tonight's cast were Georgia Ellis as Jan, Bill Conrad as Wally, Paul Freeze as Hanson, Ben Wright as Roe, Jay Novello as Fat, and Will Gear as Crowbar. Special music arranged and played by Ivan Dittmars. Next week.
1: You're in the middle of the most barren desert of Mexico. Watching a wealthy Oriental voluntarily being strangled to death by the priests of his strange religion, dangerous fanatic priests, from whom there is for you also no escape.
2: Next week at this time, CBS invites you to escape with an exciting story of a man trapped by the priests of a weird cult in the desert wastes of Mexico, as Governor Morris tells it in The Footprint. Be listening. Goodbye, then, until this same time next week, when once again we offer you Escape. For radio entertainment at its best, keep tuned to your CBS station. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
6: Beat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the night beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start in many different ways. This one began with a bloody brawl in the darkness of an alley and ended in the glare of a fight arena with the winner and still champion. Old Kid Death.
0: Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone.
6: All that people need to make them happy, said Juvenile, are bread and circuses. And up to a point, I suppose the old Roman cynic was right. The promoter of the Metropolitan Arena probably never heard of Juvenile, but he would have agreed with him a hundred percent. His fight club is a cut-rate monument to what the old romans meant by circus, a place where gladiators meet regularly in combat. Its marquee flashed in the gathering twilight as I cruised past and crossed Madison and went up Clark, taking my time for the night was young and the waking nightlife of the jukebox taverns might offer an incident for a story. But there was no inspiration there, so I kept going, cut through a cheap rooming house section, and headed for the office. I stopped for a red light, and that's when it happened. A burst of footsteps pounded up from behind, and a man, his shirt blood spattered, his head bleeding, jerked open the door and filed in beside me. Get going. They're after me. Hurry, please. Who's after you? They got guns. Step on (laughs) it! I ran the light, noting several figures in my rearview mirror as they stopped running and turned toward a car at the curb. I made several turns as my passenger kept looking back. And finally, satisfied that we'd lost them, he leaned back, took out a handkerchief, and wiped the blood from his face. Lost him. He was a stocky, heavy-shouldered guy, rather good-looking in a rugged sort of way. The ridges over his eyes were thick with old scar tissue, and there was a dent in his nose. The ear facing me seemed in good enough condition, but the mark of his profession was on him unmistakably. Oh, thanks, pal. Thanks an awful lot. do mm-hmm. dirty rat. There was more than just one of them. I counted three or five. I took care uh, of the other two. The rat I mean is the one who hired him to do the job. Who? Marty Bannon. Bannon? Yeah. Some else must have tipped him off where I was staying. Is this the same Marty Bannon who was up before the grand jury last month in that gambling investigation? You must read the papers. Well, more than that, I covered the story. A reporter? I'm Randy Stone, the Chicago star. I'm Gunnar Evans. Yeah, I know. I saw your name on the marquee at the Metropolitan. You're fighting Pete Madigan tonight. That's right. You've seen me fight before, huh? Oh, yeah, but not lately. Not since you started your comeback. Last time I saw you was over five years ago when you nearly lifted the crown from the middleweight champ. See, uh... Oh, Which way are you going? Well, right now we're heading to the hospital. What? Oh, look, you've got to get to a doctor. head that. arm? okay. Now, you look at uh, It's just a scratch. Don't let a little blood scare you. All right. All right. Oh, there's a cop there by that street lamp. No, He's no, no. Tell keep him. going, we're... please. I, I haven't got time. What's that? Uh, look, Mr. Stone, I appreciate you helping me, but if I go to the cops now, they might hold me while they're investigating. I'll lose two grand. Your purse tonight? More than just that. It's dough I put up to guarantee my appearance. Every dime I could scrape up. Look, I'd better get out. I'll drive you to the arena. Thanks, but I'm going home first. Better pick up my manager. I'll drive you there. I'm in no hurry. Thanks. uh, I appreciate it. Keep straight ahead. I'll tell you when to turn. Good. What's uh, Marty Bannon got against you? Uh, I'll tell you someday, maybe. Works for a gambling syndicate, doesn't he? Works for it. He is a syndicate. I wondered. Wait, t- turn here left. You uh owe him money? The house right there on the corner. <laughs> okay. The apartment house where Gunnar Evans lived was probably a very classy joint around 1910. I wondered what had happened to those fat purses he'd collected when he was one of the five ranking middleweights in the world. What had happened that he'd had to return to the ring to be a living punching bag for youngsters like Pete Madigan? Well, uh, thanks again. Uh, uh, What's the matter? What's wrong? Nothing. Uh, just a little dizzy, I guess. Now, wait a minute. Come on, now, no fooling. You've got to see a doctor. i tell you I'm okay. I'll be all right. Well, you better let me go up with you. Stone, I appreciate all you've done, but you... <laughs> You don't have to worry. Okay, okay, but you can't fight tonight, not with that gash in your head. Uh, heck, I can't. Dan will fix it up. You just keep your mouth shut. Dan? My manager, Dan Morgan. It's above the hairline. They, they'll never notice. You are coming to the fight? You bet, and I'm going upstairs with you now, too. I'm telling and you. And I'm... I'm telling you. Now, let's go. So we went up to his apartment together. He leaned against the doorbell like he was tired. When the door opened, he nearly fell in. Gunner! She was a little blonde with a baby face and eyes that were rhapsodies in blue. She shrunk back as he reached out to steady himself as though she didn't want him to touch her. And somehow the music in those big blue eyes vanished. What happened? Nothing much. Some hoods tried to jump me. I did all right. A friend of mine, Connie, Randy Stone, my wife. Come in. Come in. Connie, is that him? Hey, I've been looking all over for you. What the Sandhill happened? I told you to. quit. Oh, holy smoke, what happened to yeah, me? Don't get excited. I had a little trouble. Yes, in the large economy size. Five thugs jumped him. What? Oh, don't worry about it, will you? I'm all right. Just need to sit down. Randy Stone here helped me get out of it. Some abandoned switch, I think, Dan. If you ask me, you better call a doctor. Nobody's asking. Well, he's hurt. Will he's you got... shut up? I keep telling him I'm okay, and he keeps hollering for an ambulance. Lay off, will you, Stone? What
7: makes you think Marty did it?
6: Who else? He tried to proposition me into taking a dive, didn't he? He owns Madigan Buddy and Soul, don't he? He even told me he'd do something to me if I turned him down. I'm no,
7: Well, why did you turn him down? For 500
6: bucks, I should take a dive? For 500 lousy fish?
7: Gun. Well, why not? How far can you go? You think you're still a big shot, a headliner? Well, you're nothing but a has-been. Now,
6: take it easy, Connie. Guy I told him to fight. take it.
7: I told him. How long can he last? I'm sick of being broke all the time. We needed that extra 500. Why didn't he take it? Because I'm going to beat Matty, and that's why. Oh, you fool. What good is it? You'll never hit the top again. If you can't think of yourself, what about me? What about the kid of yours?
6: Well, your kid, too, now. Don't you forget... My
7: kid? Oh, no. Don't wish him on me just because I'm married to you. Con... I'm sick of playing nursemaid, you understand? And I'm sick of living like this.
6: It wouldn't be if you hadn't ruined me. What? But... You stripped me of every cent I had, threw it away on parties, closed gambling, made me sell a little business I had to pay
7: your lousy debts. Why, you sheep, punch drunk bum. Now, stop that, Connie. I don't have to take that talk from him or you or anyone else. I'm through, do you understand? Through, as of now. <laughs>
6: She almost ran from the room, burst into an adjoining bedroom and disappeared. Gunnar Evans stared at the closed door for a moment and then sat down slowly by the table. His face was gray and tired as death itself. Old Dan Morgan shook his head sadly and gently pulled Gunnar's head forward so he could have a better look at the cut on top. Really asleep, Dan? Yeah, I put him to bed before you came in. I hope she doesn't wake him. That don't look good, Gunner. He, he, he still got that cough? He's better. I lit the vapor lamp by his bed. He'll be all right in a day or two. You know how kids are, sick one day, up the next. Uh, hand me that bag there, will you, Stone? Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Here, you. Connie? Yeah? Where are you going with that suitcase?
7: Uh... Connie!
6: Well, that's the end, I guess. Oh, she'll be back, Donna. You know how she is.
5: Yeah, I know.
6: Now, ah. be still. I want to fix no, this. No, no, no. I, I want to take a look at Billy. Maybe he's uncovered. A young kid? Five. Uh, she's not his real mother, huh? No. Billy's ma died when he was two. Gunnar married Connie six months ago. Thought the boy needed a mother. <laughs> Some mother. She hates those little fella. Oh, it's a shame. But I. Aggie and me, we never had any children ourselves, but if we ever had, I'd want him to be like Gunnar's boy. What a kid. Smart. I don't get it. How can any woman, even a gold-digging little witch like Connie, not one? And... Still sleeping, huh? Yeah. I'll have to see if I can get one of the neighbors to stay with him while we're gone. Now, sit down. I'll get my back. What about it, Dan? Don't you think this is a job for a doctor that... Will you Cut... keep out of this? I was going to tell you, maybe you uh, shouldn't fight tonight. Dan, for the love of Mike, don't you let me down, too? Every cent I got is tied up in that forfeit. 2,000 bucks. Well, I don't like the looks of it, but... Okay. You don't think you've lost too much blood? Nuts. Get to work. Time's running out. we got to be at the arena pretty soon. Yeah, very well. All still now. This stuff is going to sting. Go on. I only wish... <laughs> I knew who tipped Bannon off where I was staying. He stole him. a piece of cotton. There. Paul. Here. You didn't mention it to anyone, did you, Dan? Of course not. Mm-hmm. Uh, skin clips, a little jar of alcohol. Oh, this? Yeah. You mean you moved out of here and you were living in a rented room? He was only there the last two days. We were afraid something like this would happen if they knew where to find him. Somebody must have tipped him off. Bane, bloodhound. Must have been a flu. Somebody must have seen you around there. A collodion, a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Why would Marty Bannon go to all that trouble to keep you from fighting tonight? The odds are five to one on Madigan, aren't they? Maybe they are, chum, but Bannon don't bet on anything that isn't a sure thing. He thought he could buy me for a lousy 500. Well, he was wrong. <laughs> Easy. I'm almost through. He, I figured it was safer to claim i run out and divide my two grand forfeit money with that dumb punk of his. Well, for Pete's sake, what about the police? The boxing commission? I opened my app and he started an investigation. Cancel a fight. And who's hurt? bannon nah. what can i prove i need that dough randy i need it bad i watched the savage gash in gunner evans head close up and vanish under the magic touch of dan morgan's fingers when he finally combed the hair over it and put away his tools i was almost convinced that my concern had been overdone dan's fighter looked as good as new now you go into that bedroom and get a half hour's rest gunner Try to sleep. But I got to find a sitter. Forget it. I'll call my wife. Aggie will be glad to come over. Oh, that'd be swell. I'd sure appreciate it, Dan. She'd be tickled to do it. You know how crazy she is over Billy. Yeah. As a matter of fact, why not leave him with us Until you get straightened out. Uh, I'll think about it. Billy can always find a home with Aggie and me, Gunner. I only wish I had him for keeps. (laughs) Not a chance. You better get some sleep while you can. You need it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going. Oh, Thanks, Stone. Thanks a million. I went down into the street, got into my car. I lit a cigarette, thinking of what was to come and hating it. Gunner didn't have a chance. The odds were all against him to start with. But now Marty Bannon and his thugs had guaranteed it. more I thought about it, the sicker and angrier I got. I knew Marty's address from the last time the police had visited him. Maybe he ought to know he wasn't having himself a private party with Gunner. Maybe he ought to know that if he got too rough, I might just invite the 800,000 star subscribers. So I started up and headed northwest. Maybe I could put a scare into this mug. Bannon lived in a single penthouse apartment in the medium-high rent district. I pressed the doorbell, and after a moment, a small peephole opened. An eye gave me a fishy stare, and the door swung wide. Well... How are you, Marty? Remember me? Stone, Chicago star.
0: Oh, yeah, one of those poison pen artists.
6: What do you want? A little talk. About what? About Gunner Evans. Come in. All right, spill it. What's in your
0: mind?
7: What is it, doll baby? Shut up! Well, I like that. I only asked a simple...
6: You. Gunner's wife stood in the foyer entrance... Like Bannon, she was in evening clothes, wearing a gown that showed everything but good taste. When I saw I knew who had tipped Bannon off where Gunn had been hiding and who had sent those goons on a murder trail. It was Connie herself.
0: NBC is bringing you Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Little-known episodes from the exciting annals of American history are presented in colorful, dramatic, factual manner on the Cavalcade of America, which returns over most of these NBC stations on Tuesday, August 29th. That's Cavalcade of America, returning Tuesday, August 29th.
6: I wanted to see Marty Bannon about the fix he was trying to muscle through on tonight's fight between Pete Madigan and Gunnar Evans. But when I saw Connie, Gunnar's wife, in Marty's apartment, I knew my words would be as useless as rain on Lake Michigan. It was she who'd betrayed her own husband and told Bannon where his thugs could find him. Her big blue eyes widened when she saw me and then hardened into chips of ice.
7: You get around, don't you, Stone? Yeah,
6: but it'd be tough trying to keep up with you, baby. Connie, I told you to stay back. What are you worrying about, Bannon? Gunner Evans is bound to find out sooner or later Probably sooner Who
7: cares? I'm through with that dumb ape And he might as well know it now as any time
6: But dollface, I got enough to worry about Without having a
0: punchy mad dog on my trail Too many big deals coming up
6: What's the matter, Bannon? You don't think he's got enough against you already?
0: He can't prove a thing You value your health You'll forget
6: you were here tonight I thought you were smarter than that The guy who fools around another man's wife Is like a rented tuxedo He never knows who's gonna spill something on him
0: Be sure it ain't you
6: I get
5: out.
6: Well, maybe I had done some good. I didn't know. At least he'd know now that somebody else knew what was going on. He'd drop the rough stuff. The fight would go on. And if he tried anything afterwards, it would be dangerous. I went back down to the lobby, walked out into the street. A taxi had pulled up to the curb, and the passenger was paying off the hacking. As I turned and stepped out onto the sidewalk, he turned around, and a cold chill hit me. It was Gunner Evans. do what are you doing here? Well, I bet myself that you'd win tonight, and I came here to make sure I'd have a chance to win the bet. You won't, so forget it. Why not? Why did you come here? Well, I'm stone. No, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, uh, what are you seeing Bannon for? It's out of my way. You're supposed to be taking a nap and resting up. Why'd you come here? Take the 500 bucks. What else? Why? After what Bannon's done to you? After what you said? Why? Why? Not to think thinking, lying there? What was I gaining being so big and noble? Nothing, absolutely nothing. Your self-respect? You can starve on self-respect. Look out. You can see your kid go hungry, your marriage go on the rocks. I got nothing to gain and everything to lose.
5: So I'll take
6: the 500. What does it matter? I'm washed up. I might as well face it. But you can quit, clean. You don't have to wind up crooked. You can get a job, do something else. What? The only thing I ever done except fight is drive a truck, and I can't do that now. Why not? Because I'm half blind, you fool you what? Oh, I can see you well enough for anybody else who's close up. You don't have to see like an eagle when you're throwing leather. But I can't pass no truck driving test. Well, I didn't know. Maybe a little bit. I didn't know. Nobody knows, not even Dan. You don't fight over 400 fights without losing something. With some guys, it's their brains, with others, they hearing or the teeth or the kidneys. With me, it's my eyes. Yeah, and my teeth, too. Boy, things have been going my brains for all I know. All right, all right, all right. Now, come on back home, kid. You don't need Bannon's dough. It smells. No, but I need my wife. If I can find her and tell her I took Bannon's offer, well, she might come back. Get out of the elevator door. Move. I'm not breaking up my marriage for any $500. Bannon's on the 14th floor, ain't he? Yeah, the 14th floor. Wait. You coming along for the ride? You're making a bad mistake, Gunner, going to Bannon's. It's the worst thing you could do. Now, come on. Oh, preach, Stone. I'm sick of it. I made up my mind. Sure, I know. It's the end of the trail. So what? I never hit the championship gravy, and even when you do, it ends up like this lots of times. No dough, no eyes, no brains. You still got brains enough to lick this thing, Gunner. Believe me. <laughs> Where's the button? Well, Stoney, it's different when you're young. The promises sound good. The world looks good. You read the stuff they print about you in the paper, you're great. Sure, it gripes me that everybody seems to be making off their fights except you. The gamblers, the crooked managers, the shady promoters. Of course, they ain't all that way. There are some pretty good guys like Dan Morgan. He's the first honest manager I ever had. But there's so many of the others. So you bust your fingers. You can't sleep for nights on account of your hands are like like two big hearts, beating with pain pumping through them instead of blood. You get your teeth knocked out. You can't breathe on account of your nose is busted. The years go by and where are you? What do you got? Now one day you wake up and the fires inside you are out, and you're like a furnace full of clinkers. You're an old man. That it? Yeah. An old man. You know how old I am? Thirty-three. Gunner, I wish you wouldn't. Let go of me. All right, all right. If you must, you must. But before you ring that bell, there's something that... uh, Something you should know about what you're going to find in there. Yeah? What? What is it? What are you trying to say?
7: Okay, Marty. I'll meet you right after the fight. Then we can... Gunner! Gunner! Marty, it's Gunner! Gunner!
6: Open up. Open up, Gunner. Open up the door. Gunner, it's no good. It's not worth it.
5: I'll kill the rat. Come on, get a grip on
6: yourself. Gunner.
5: Get away from me. Gunner. I'm breaking
6: my you, Gunner, for the love of Mike. Who's going to let me go? Listen to me. You
2: ass work.
6: Whatever time had done to Gunner Evans' legs, it certainly hadn't affected his punch. I went out like a shattered light bulb. When I came to, I was sprawled on my back in front of Bannon's penthouse apartment. The door was still locked, but I could see through it like it wasn't there. The simple reason that the main part wasn't. The entire middle panel was smashed through. Only the frame remained. I got up slowly. My jaw hurt and my brain was full of angry bees. I stepped through the broken door and looked around. I saw them. Connie and Marty lying at opposite sides of the living room. Their heads were twisted at curious angles, their necks purplish and swollen. And they were both quite dead. On found a telephone, I called the police and sat there a while trying to brush the fog away. My head throbbed as I tried to remember something I felt was important, but I couldn't quite recall. And then suddenly it came to me. The fight. The Metropolitan Arena. Evans versus Madigan. That's where he'd be. That's where I'd find the gunner. I stumbled to the elevator, went downstairs, found my car and drove out to the arena. Hi, is uh, Gunner Evans here? Is he here? He's fighting tonight, don't you see the signs? Yeah. We're just in time for the main go, Mister. Ringside. I got one on the aisle, row five. Here's my press card. Ah, uh, say, what's going on anyway? You know. Meaning what? I mean, him coming in just a little while before the semifinal was over. His manager and the promoter was tearing their hair. You say the main go about to start? Well, for round one, rang thirty seconds ago. If you're coming the fight. Better get on in. I headed down the main aisle for the press section of ringside. What was going on in that ring brought me to a standstill more than once before I finally got to the ringside and began easing my way around the gunner's corner. I couldn't take my eyes off him. The gunner was tearing at the Madigan with a slashing fury that brought the crowd to its feet and kept it there. This fight wasn't going to last any ten rounds. I could see the gunner's manager, Dan Moran, standing at the ring apron, pounding it with his press. Cross him!
5: Cross him! Let him
6: have it! How are you, Dan? Let's oh, going? It's terrific. I don't know. Watch it! Jab him now. Get him. That's a boy. What do you mean, you don't know? I've been trying to get him to box, but he won't. Look at him. He's fighting Madigan's fight. He can't last. His legs won't take him. for ten rounds. Something's the matter with him. Yeah, something's the matter All right. And he finally showed up. He looked funny. acted funny. something's happening. Huh? I don't know what. Uh, hook him. Hook him.
0: He's wide open. Turn up, baby. Watch it. Watch
6: it. Oh, that's the ticket. Jab him dizzy. All right, boys. Get that stool in there fast. Okay, then. Take his mouth. He's <laughs> My uh, gosh, he shouldn't be breathing like that after only one round. Dan, I want to tell you something. Gunner's in trouble. He's terrible trouble. Any minute the police... Listen are... to him. Something's the matter with him. <laughs> look, Randy, do me a favor. Go back to Gunner's dressing room and have a look at Billy. Who? Billy. Gunner's little boy. I put him to bed there. What is he doing here? I thought your wife... Yeah, yeah. Gunner showed up there just before he came here and took Billy with him. Why? Maybe he's afraid Bannon's hood might break in the house and take it out on Billy. I don't know. Now, go on, will you? Okay. I gave one of the boys a buck to keep an eye on him. Make sure he... All right, don't worry. I went back down the ramp into the dressing room Billy was sleeping on the rubbing table Between several training gloves Biggest pillows to keep him from rolling off Dan had covered him with an old bathrobe And pillowed his curly head with some folded towels Cute little fellow, ain't he? It's a wonder he's been able to sleep through all this noise Yeah, but I guess he was just real wore out Yeah, I reckon he was yeah. there's a buzzer for round two Yeah, well, I'll go up and have a look Okay, mister I walked up the ramp, down the aisle toward the press section. Round two was a facsimile, it seemed, of round one. How many rounds could a man go at this pace? He was pressing Madigan every second, a slashing, ripping attack, like a madman, I kept thinking. Like a bulb that flares more brightly than it ever has before, the instant before it goes out. Gunnar Evans was fighting the greatest fight of his career, and the last fight of his career. And then he was down. Gunnar Evans was down.
5: Fight! Fight! He wasn't in! Certainly seemed that way. Then only sprawled
6: on the canvas like a puppet whose strings had been cut. He didn't stir as the referee's voice came through the pandemonium.
5: Seven! Eight, nine, ten,
6: I walked down the aisle through a now-hushed crowd. Nobody moved. When I finally got to the ringside, Dan and his two seconds were still working on Gunner. A scared, haunted look had begun to deepen the furrows of Dan's wrinkled face. Presently, the commission doctor climbed into the ring and knelt beside the fallen fighter. After a while, he looked up, pointing to the patched-up wound on Gunner's head. It had oozed some blood, but now it had stopped. This man was hurt before the fight. Yeah, he cut his head. I, I told him he shouldn't fight, but he insisted on going on. In heaven's name, why? He had a $2,000 forfeit poster. How bad is it, Doc? His skull was fractured before he entered the ring. You mean that... Uh, He's dead. We went back to the dressing room, Dan and I. I tried to tell him what had happened at Bannon's apartment, but he didn't seem to hear. He shuffled along, his head bowed, his eyes red. We stared at the sleeping child, and I asked Dan, gonna have any relatives? I don't know. Uh, none that I know of. Uh, no. Gunner didn't have any kid. You mean Billy's alone? Alone? Of course not. He's not alone. Billy's got me, me, and Aggie, ain't he? Well, then you better take him before the police get here. Uh, yeah. Take him home
5: uh, with you. Uh,
6: yeah. Uh, yeah, poor little fella. He must be tired. Didn't open an eye. Yeah, I'll take him home. Don't want to take any chances. There's cough coming back. You gonna keep him, Dan?
5: Huh?
6: You said you wanted him, didn't
5: you? You yeah,
6: mean? Gunner would have wanted you to have him. Billy. He's yours, Dan. For keeps. Your son. <laughs> Well, 4 a.m. and another edition about to go to press. Another sunrise about to dawn. The death of one cycle, the birth of another. Or maybe it's all one, like time itself. Well, I'm not going metaphysical at this hour. But I can't help thinking that Gunnar Evans maybe wasn't such a failure after all. In a way, he's still punching, he's still alive, with a new set of dreams and a future ahead. Yep, in his son. I guess basically that's why our children mean so much to all of us. Like the philosopher said, they're our only chance for earthly immortality. (laughs) I'll have to get married one of these days. Copy, boy.
0: Nightbeat starring Frank Lovejoy is produced and directed by Warren Lewis and edited by Larry Marcus. Tonight's story was written by Irvin Ashkenazi with music by Frank Worth. The part of Gunnar Evans was played by Don Diamond. Listen next week at this time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. Nightbeat came to you from Hollywood. Programs, get your programs here. Wednesday evening brings you other great adventure mystery programs on this NBC station. Be sure to hear The Falcon, Mr. District Attorney, Richard Diamond starring Dick Powell, and Dangerous Assignment with Brian Donlevy. That's Wednesday night for more stellar action-filled programs. Be sure to listen. Stay tuned for the first piano quartet on NBC.